The Revelation Station presents Open House, a story for Halloween, written by Simon Heldrick and Gary Starr. When it rains at night, it always puts me on edge. It seems irrational to most people that I feel this way, but I have my reasons. My previous job was as a salesman, travelling to and fro across the country. A meeting here, a deal there, always something. Well, eventually, something found me. Twice. And I've never looked at the night the same again. There are things in the dark. Things that belong in nightmares. But I digress. Those are old stories in the past, and that's where they should stay. But on nights like these, it gives me the creeps and the memories stir. But enough of that. The past is the past, and that is where it will stay. No more travelling from town to town for me. Now I do all my selling in the same town. My new job is selling real estate. It might seem quite a jump from my previous employment, but the phrase, one born every minute, it seems, has a very wide application, and the scariest things I have to deal with these days are people's horrendous examples of decor. No more running for my life for me. No more horrors pursuing me into my dreams. Although there was that orange flock wallpaper at 48 Gedling Road. <sighs> My current brief was selling a house that had fallen to the course to dispose of. The original owner had not been seen for many years, and no heirs or anyone with a claim had been found to take over the property, and so the house had fallen to the state. My employers had taken over the contract to sell the house, for a hefty fee no doubt, which I would likely see no part of. I'd taken over the task at the last minute, as my colleague, who'd been assigned to this property, suddenly and unexpectedly had herself committed to a psychiatric hospital. All of us in the office were, of course, shocked, even though Joe Public believed that that is where most of us belong, because of our belief that a two-room property with a total room space of ten square feet constitutes a house in London. We had a small collection for her, and sent flowers and a card which apparently she ate. The call that came from on high for me to take over the sale had come through late last night, which had given me very little time to organise this shindig. I'd started early this morning, which still hadn't given me time to familiarise myself with the property. Nevertheless, soon after 8am, I'd had a steady flow of people coming and going, leaving their dirty footprints all over the floor. The vacuum cleaner has had nearly as stressful a day as me. But the day finally came to a close as I ushered out the last family. The Liaches, a nice couple, Richmond and Sabrina, with their twin daughters Cara and Amalathy, although they had been something of a handful, playing hide-and-seek around the house. And if it hadn't been for an inspired check in the freezer for little Cara, the night might have ended a little more frostily. No pun intended. However, the day was done and my thoughts were turning to my own home and my new girlfriend who was waiting for me there. 
Outside, the early October evening had already seen the sun dip below the horizon. The street lights had already turned on, covering the ground with a layer of gold, but not outside this house. This old Victorian property had substantial grounds for the area, and the surrounding high wall shielded it from trick-or-treaters, and any carol singers determined to reach the house would need a torch and a stout pair of walking shoes to get up that drive. The peace and quiet it afforded almost made me put in a bid myself, but I am a man of simple needs and an even simpler bank account. Still, you can dream. Bye. Thanks for coming. Good luck in your house search. I moved around the house making sure that any lights were extinguished and any plugs or appliances were switched off. You'd be surprised how distressed your boss can get when you burn down a house you're trying to sell. So my mind was on other things when I heard a thump coming from somewhere. Hello? Is anyone there? Is that you, Kara? I thought I saw you get in the car. This isn't a game, you know. Oh, boy, are your parents going to be... I paused and listened. I may have been mistaken, but I thought I heard a scraping coming from behind a door in the kitchen. Kara! Oh, boy. I had been given instruction not to show the cellar, as there was damp down there. They had assured me that it would be sorted before any sale, but didn't want initial viewers to be put off. If anyone put in an offer, we would disclose the issue and let them decide from there. Or, more likely, feign ignorance or death to avoid the cost of sorting it out. Caveat emptor, anyone? Hello? Hello? Kara, are you in the cellar? No. Kara went home. I did see her go... Are you a cat? Why am I asking if it's a cat? It's not It's not going to answer. Hmm. Still talking to myself, I see. Hmm. Still doing it. Still doing it. Damn! I move towards the cellar door. It takes a little bit more than a bit of damp and a cat to frighten me these days, although my mind did jump back to the orange flock wallpaper at 48 Gedling Road. <sighs> Strange. The door was locked. How on earth had a cat got down there? Perhaps there was another entrance I wasn't aware of, possibly leading from the outside of the house, or an open cellar vent. I suppose I would have to let it out. Hold on, let me find a key and I'll open the door. Um, oh, uh, meow, meow. What the hell am I doing? How did you get in there, Puss Puss? Can you not go out the way you came in? There was no sound. I started to look around the room. I quickly located a key labelled cellar hanging on a hook and unlocked the door. I'd expected there to be cobwebs and dust when I opened the door, so I was mildly surprised to see it was clean. Cleaner, in fact, than the rest of the house, where the main building looked empty, with dust accumulating on every flat surface. The stairwell beyond the door was spotless with a very nice carpet. Hello? Hello? I said, as I craned my neck to look down the stairs. There was no reply, but the scraping sound came again. Tentatively, I took the first step down. 
I made my way down the stairs using my phone torch to illuminate my descent. The stairs opened out into a fairly good-sized room which screamed home cinema or games room, especially as it had no trace of the damp I'd been warned about. I would have to add that on to the house features. My light illuminated a switch, and I flicked it. A single bulb hanging in the middle of the ceiling flickered too. In the centre of the room was an odd table. It was roughly rectangular, with a wider part about a third of the way down. It was about a foot deep, and had four handles, two on each side. It didn't look very practical as a table to me, as the top was stacked, making only a small flat area on top. It certainly couldn't be used as a dining table, more like a sideboard or high coffee table. However, the thing that struck me most, and made me jump back, was that standing beside the table was an older gentleman. Oh my! He was wearing an elegant velvet dinner jacket, and white shirt with frilly cuffs showed beneath the coat sleeves. He had an odd smile on his face, and I realised immediately who he must be. One of the house viewers must have brought their elderly father or grandfather along. He was probably left in the car while they viewed the house, only to wander off and somehow find his way into the basement through another entrance. Hello there, I said. Forgive my manners. Have you been left behind? Can I call anyone for you? Is anyone looking after you? Greetings, stranger. Welcome to my house. Enter freely, go safely, and leave something of the happiness you bring. The poor fellow was obviously confused. I'm, uh, I'm afraid the viewings are over for the day. Is there something I can... Are you sure there isn't someone I can call, you know, to come and get you? And um, Unless you want to buy this place, in which case... There is a reason why all things are as they are. Despair has its own calms. Right, yes. Anyway, like I said, the house is closing for the evening. I looked at his expression of curiosity. He was studying me as a scientist studies a microbe under a microscope. I felt it almost impossible to tear myself from his wildly hypnotic stare. With a final exertion, I did so and averted my gaze. I looked once again around the room, and as I did, the old man gave a small start of surprise and spoke once more, looking at me more closely this time. I see you have more to you than first appears. It has been many years since someone resisted me. You intrigue me, my friend. Tell me of yourself. Although I had not been in the estate agency business for long, I knew that this was rule number one. Never give too much away about your personal life, especially your address, or even your real name, unless a bonus is in the offing. Well, you know, just a humble estate agent. Nothing special about me. I am sure that is not true, my young friend. Pray, indulge me a while. I would know you better. This place, this house... Show it to me. In truth, I have only just arrived in your country, and I need a place to stay. Ah, so that was it. He was obviously a foreign businessman looking to buy property, possibly as a way to loan the money. It could very well be worth my while to show him around. The property was not too big, and even a thorough viewing would take only an hour at most. Reading something in my expression... The old man smiled again. I see you are thinking of the time, yes? Well, pray, my good young friend, if you have someone to contact, please do so. 
it will doubtless please them to know that you are well, and that you look forward to getting home to them. Is this not so? Well, yes, but I suppose if you're interested in the property, I could take a few minutes to show you around. I took out my phone and quickly sent a text message to my girlfriend, informing her that I would be late again, and asking that my dinner be left in the fridge, not the bin. Dear, he said with a smile. It is done. The moment I put my phone back into my pocket, he moved suddenly forward, and holding out his hands, grasped mine with a strength which made me wince, an effect which was not lessened by the fact that they seemed as cold as ice. More like the hands of a dead man, something with which I have had too much experience. Please, tell me at least your name. No? Well then, forgive me my transgression. The house. Show me it all. I led him up the stairs, out of the basement and into the kitchen. The buzzing of the freezer motor as we entered the room became a comforting sound of normality, rather than its usual annoying hum. I began my spiel. So, as you can see, this is the kitchen, all appliances included. It's very spacious, with plenty of cabinet room and preparation surfaces. We moved through the house, with me extolling the virtues of each room as we passed through it. All the time I could feel his gaze on me, boring into my neck whenever I was facing away from him. He was sprightly for an old man, moving with a panther-like grace. As we were about to enter the master bedroom, he paused and suddenly spoke with a grimace that revealed eye teeth, long and pointed. Are there mirrors in that room? Taken aback by such a random question, I hesitated for a moment. Um, yes, I think so, for, you know, doing your hair and stuff. An evil smile flashed over his face for the briefest of seconds before quickly passing into a cold stare of lion-like disdain. Um, fitted wardrobes with mirrors on the doors, as is fairly common in most modern bedrooms. Then I do not wish to see it. My uh, appearance does not please me. This old body of mine... It is not what it once was. Oh, oh, why? What did it used to be? <laughs> uh, sorry, forgive me. My little joke. Well, I should just open the door at least so you can see inside. I opened the door on its well-oiled hinges. The window was to the left of the room, wardrobes immediately facing the door, with the large spacious bed on the same wall as the door. I peered in and saw that the mirrors on the wardrobe doors were facing directly at me. I had a feeling that something wasn't quite right, but I couldn't quite put my finger on it. I looked at myself in the mirror. Yep, still pretty handsome, but the old man had moved out of sight. No wonder the previous occupants had left. It felt like something from the 1970s. My friend, I asked you not to open the door. I jumped at the voice which was hissed with some menace directly into my ear. I hadn't expected the man to be so close, and indeed, when I glanced back at my reflection, I could not see anything of him. I turned slowly towards his voice. His sharp canine teeth were once more fully visible in his now smiling mouth. I looked into his eyes, which I now noticed were lifeless and black, like a shark's eyes, or that of a doll's. It has been a long time, my young friend, a long time. This guy was giving me the creeps and I was starting to grow concerned for my safety. 
nutters come in all shapes and sizes, but one look at his wiry old frame and I re-evaluated my position. I think I could take an old man in a fight, despite what my girlfriend says. Um, are you coming on to me? I'm, I'm flattered, I really am, but I don't really swing that way. Not, not that there's anything wrong with it, I just... I prefer the company of ladies. Well, <laughs> I say ladies. My girlfriend's hardly a lady. Um, we, we seem to be getting off track. Where, where was I? No man knows till he experiences it what it is like to feel his own lifeblood drawn away into the woman he loves. Uh, quite. Uh, I can see you've met my girlfriend. Uh, yes. And the blood's the life, my young friend. I would like to fang you. Well, I say that's... Um, I'm not sure what that is. Uh, that's, that's not really necessary, whatever it is. I'm just doing my job, you know? Showing people round. It's, it's what I get paid for. <laughs> you are an amusing young man. No, I mean... I thirst. Oh, okay. Well, I can probably make you a cup of tea. I think I saw some bags in the cupboard, although I don't think there's any milk. I was babbling. I think in the back of my mind, I knew what was being said, and some sort of animal instinct was making me flee from the thought. I was prey, it was saying. This was a hunter. A shark circling a sea. At the very least, a dangerous nutter. Somewhere deep inside, a voice said, Not again. Why does this keep happening to me? Hark! The children of the night! No, I think that's next door's dog. With a mocking smile, he reached out his hand towards my neck. First, a little refreshment to reward my exertions. His face dropped, and I don't know on what level I sensed it, but I could see a warning of danger in it. With another swift movement, he lunged towards me. By chance, I'd been unconsciously stepping back towards the stairs, my fight-or-flight instincts preparing me for such an attack. However... My flight instinct failed me as I stepped back, and my foot found only empty air. Like a cartoon coyote, I paused, hanging for what seemed minutes, but could only have been the briefest of seconds, before falling backwards, my arms flailing wildly for something to hold on to. I could not arrest my fall, and so gave in to gravity. The old man or perhaps I should say vampire, as I now suspected him to be, was pulled with me by his own vice-like grip on my suit jacket. With a mocking smile, he let go and instantly exploded into a mass of bats which swirled towards the ceiling and hovered above me as I fell. Luckily, the stairs were plushly carpeted in a modern style and also quite short as the staircase turned a corner halfway up. Experience told me that as soon as I landed, the bats would be upon me. So, like a cat, I attempted to twist myself in mid-air to land on my feet. Sadly, not being a cat or in any way agile, I slammed into the wall, landing on my shoulder with a crack. My first thought was, thank God I wasn't covered in bats. My second thought was, how? I got up from the floor and ran. 
trying to think how I could defeat this mental bastard. Surely he couldn't be a vampire. They didn't exist. They didn't. They simply didn't. But if they did, if they did, sadly, everything I knew of vampires was taken from stories or tawdry films with scantily clad ladies in them. Actually, I quite enjoyed the scantily clad bits, but for the life of me, a phrase I may come to regret, all I could remember were garlic and crosses. I didn't have any garlic or crosses. Did fingers work? As I ran, the bats coalesced in front of me back into the form of the old man. He smiled wickedly at me, his dark eyes flashing. I slid to a halt. Come, my young friend. Surely you would not deny an old man's sustenance. See, you are already bleeding. He pointed at my forehead, and I raised a hand to it. There was a sticky wetness. It wasn't jam. I'd obviously caught my head as I fell. I knew then that this would be my undoing. He had caught the scent of blood on the air, and it was raising him into a frenzy. I was the same with Lager. My next action, unless it was uncharacteristically smart, would probably be my last. I ran for the kitchen as quickly as I could, slamming the door behind me. That cannot stop me. I know how to work a door handle, you know. I have been alive for hundreds of years. I'm not a stupid zombie. Now they are dumb. I looked around desperately for something to fight him off. I looked at the countertop. An egg whisk. No good. Aha, a knife. I tried to remember if plunging that into his heart would finish him off. It looked silver, but no, wait, that was a werewolf, wasn't it? I really needed to watch more horror movies, or, as I was now coming to think of them, public information films. I decided to take the chance, and I pulled the knife from the holder, like Arthur pulling the sword from the stone. The door burst open. I guess he didn't know how to use a door handle after all. His wicked smile was once again exposing his eye teeth. I pondered how on earth this sort of thing kept happening to me, and I brandished the kitchen knife in his direction. I'd seen this done in films. It looked good. He simply laughed. <laughs> that could not hurt me, my young friend. It is made of cold steel. Only wood can harm me. I told you, I don't go that way. No, wood, not... He gestured around the room. This is why I love the modern world. There is no wood here. Only formica and plastic. Chipboard. Pah. Actually, the worktop is very hard-wearing marble, and you would know that if you'd read the specs. You have so little sense of worth nowadays. I fought the Knights Templar. Their lancers were a constant threat. And their armour... Somewhat of a deterrent to my teeth. But I won. What do you hope to do to me now? Stab me with a stake made of MDF? I realised he was right. Nothing in this room, indeed probably the whole house, could hope to have an effect on him. I was doomed. Doomed by the disposable nature of the modern world. But with that I realised I had nothing to lose. I thrust forwards my blade ahead of me and plunged it deep into his heart. He looked surprised for a second and then slowly looked at the blade sticking out of his chest. He gave it an experimental twang. He looked back up at me, smiling. He grasped the handle and in one swift movement yanked the blade out. There was no blood. 
and he flung the weapon across the room behind him. It embedded itself into the radio on the countertop with a series of sparks. Don't be too dismayed, my young friend. That was a good effort. A good strong blow. We learn from failure, not success. Sadly, though, you will learn only that it does not pay to miss your one chance to destroy an immortal. With feline grace, he suddenly pounced onto the table and eyed me maliciously. I stepped backwards and once again tripped and fell. I skittered backwards on my behind, past the humming fridge freezer. Like a cat, I saw the old man readying himself to pounce. Having been a cat owner, I instantly recognised the moment he was about to leap. Only this time, the mouse was me. Bracing his fingers on the edge of the table, he leapt towards me. I reached around the freezer and opened the door. He hit the door with the full force of his pounce, and his bony old body fell backwards. He lay there for a moment, stunned, and I knew I only had seconds to press the advantage. I prayed that the freezer would contain what I needed, and hurriedly pulled open the drawers. The first was bereft of anything useful, but in the second I found something. I pulled it out of the cold and ripped the plastic covering away. I snapped the thing in half and jumped onto the old man's chest. He was rousing himself, and I knew I had only moments that this was now or never. I raised my hands above my head and aimed directly for the hole left by the knife. With tremendous force, I thrust my arms down and plunged the frozen garlic bread into the open wound. The look of surprise on the vampire's face was almost comical. Then his expression changed, and the last glimpse I had was of the bloated face fixed with a grin of malice which would have held its own in the nethermost hell. Then, with a sound like sand running through an hourglass, the vampire slowly disintegrated beneath me. I collapsed forwards as he did so, and lay there, catching my breath. Well, that's going to need hoovering up. Of course. My night would not have been complete without a fire. I looked over and saw that the sparking radio had set light to some letters next to it on the countertop. These had quickly caught light and the cheap wall cabinets above had quickly joined the conflagration. I didn't need to think twice. Experience had taught me exactly what to do in this situation and I jumped to my feet and ran for the front door. I ran into the night, frantically dialing for the fire brigade on my mobile phone. Behind me, I saw the house begin to burn. For once, there would be no explosion. Probably. As the last of the embers died and the fire brigade began to pack up, I reflected on my day. I suspected that a commission for selling the house was now not going to happen. In fact, I was probably going to be looking for a new job in the morning. I trudged to my car and drove home. Honey, I'm home, I said it without irony. In truth, I was glad to be there and glad to have a companion to tell of my bizarre experience.
She pecked me on the cheek and smiled at me. I winced as she touched my injured shoulder and she immediately noticed. What happened? My dear, how shall I describe what I saw? Well, food's almost ready. Come and sit at the table and you can tell me as we eat. I looked at her with love and relief. I was glad to have someone who could understand me. She smiled back. What delights have you prepared for me, my love? A lovely steak, medium rare. Oh, now I have a steak. You have been listening to The Revelation Station's Halloween Tale, written and performed by Simon Heldrick and Gary Starr. You can send feedback to revelationstationpodcast at gmail.com or find us on Facebook. If you want episodes a week early and bonus episodes, you can subscribe for £1 a month at patreon.com. This has been a Revelation Station production.